Welcome again to Sabbath School. Why don't we have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to open your word and to learn, to see what you have in store for us today. I just pray that you will be here in our midst and that you will teach us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you enjoyed the Sabbath School lesson this week? A couple of you, and the rest of you are going to learn it today. <laughs> Except, you know me, I never like completely follow the Sabbath School lesson. Uh, I like to uh, learn a little more than what the Sabbath School lesson had. So we're going to dive in a little deeper this morning. And I want to do a disclaimer. I'm going to do something in Sabbath School today that I've never done and never heard done. So don't throw me out of the church when we're done. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you. Do you have a favorite proverb that you grew up hearing or one from your family or childhood or one that you like to uh, think about? Uh, it comes to mind often. Just off the top of your head, what's your favorite proverb? You know what a proverb is, right? A proverb is basically a saying uh, that has a lot of wisdom to it that can guide your life, um, but it may not be in the form of scripture. And the book of Proverbs has a lot of those in it. And there's a lot of scripture, but there's also Proverbs that aren't in the Bible too. So if you think about, like for instance, I'll give you an example. My mom always uh, would uh, tell me, that, uh, well, there was a several of them that she always told me, but one of them she liked to tell me was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words cannot hurt me. Anyone heard that one? Okay. That's, that's considered a proverb as well, right? Uh, so if you were to think about proverbs in that context, now tell me what proverb comes to mind. There's lots of them. We have, we use them all the time. You just have to stop and think for a minute. <laughs> Should I say another one to trigger your mind? Here's another one that I grew up with. Those that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You ever heard that one? <laughs> you shall reap what you sow. Yes. Pride goes before a fall. Here's another one. This is actually in the Bible too, but uh, it's not in the book of Proverbs. It is a proverb. And my mom always told it to my brother. I didn't hear it quite so much, but it was, if you don't work, you won't eat. Any others? That one actually is in Paul's writings, believe it or not. That's true. And Jesus said that one, right? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Any others? You guys are starting to think now. I'm glad. <laughs> Glenn, did you grow up with any family proverbs? Any uh, words of wisdom, like little sayings that you grew up with? When you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. That's, that's yeah. A penny saved is a penny earned. That's what my mom grew up with. <laughs> well, I think that gives us a good introduction to our study today because our whole Sabbath school lesson this week was on the book of Proverbs. And uh, going over different Proverbs from the book of Proverbs in the Bible uh, that can help us in our daily life and in our family's life. So when you are going through the lesson was there any proverb that stuck out to you the most? Besides the one Micah said as our memory verse. 
I'll tell you mine as we go through the lesson because I've got all mine pulled out. But before I started, I thought I'd give you a chance to share. Was there one proverb that stuck out to you the most in the lesson? I was wondering if someone would mention that one. <laughs> that was probably the most uh, memorable one in the whole lesson. I think you're right. <laughs> Anybody else had one that stood out to them? All right. Well, let's dive into the lesson and maybe we can learn a little more. Uh <clears throat> to begin, I would like to put a little puzzle on. I kind of divided this lesson. <clears throat> okay, we're going to we're doing divisions here. So, uh the whoever wrote this Sabbath school lesson had to somehow fit the entire book of Proverbs into 5 days. And uh I have a high respect for them because that's a really hard job. <laughs> So I had the easy job of taking what they said in five days and putting it into three three sections, which is a lot easier than what they did, okay? But uh, if I was to take the first section of our Sabbath school lesson, which would basically be Sunday's lesson, and summarize it into one word, that's the word I would choose. So now you have to guess what the word is. You got to read my mind now. I'm not going to draw a hangman, so <laughs> it's Sabbath. We're not going to hang anybody today. What's that? Wisdom, that's a really good idea, and I really like that word. I think it summarizes the entire lesson. So look at Sunday's lesson if you have your quarterly. Look at Sunday's lesson. I'm going to draw a picture to give you a clue, okay? Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. The first letter goes along with our entire topic of this week's lesson, which was what? Proverbs, okay? So the first letter starts with the first letter of that word. Purity. So if I was to summarize Sunday's lesson, that's how I would summarize it. Let's look at what it says, Proverbs 5, 3 through 14. And you can see if you agree with me or not. <clears throat> Proverbs 5, 3. Well, we're not going to read 3 through 14. Let's just read 3 through 6. Proverbs 5, 3 through 6. Now, let me tell you, uh, there's... A lot of Proverbs that are written to men in the book of Proverbs, but I honestly think it's not gender specific. I think it's gender inclusive. Now, Proverbs 31 is obviously, it says wife, but the quality should be everybody, right? <laughs> so as we look at this, I'd like us to read um, Proverbs 5 verses 3 through 6. Who would like to read that? I need a volunteer. All right. Thank you so much. So we have a story here, right? We have a picture. What is the picture of? An impure woman who is? What is she trying to do? Trying to seduce somebody, right? So the idea is, Purity, right? And this situation is not just for a married man. It's not just for men. It's a principle of purity. Purity of body, purity of heart, purity of mind, right? So if we think about purity, I think today's day and age is probably one of the hardest times in history other than Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> to remain pure. 
We're hit with it everywhere. I mean, it used to be, well, if you just kept the television out of your house, it wouldn't be quite so bad, right? But now, like, we hold it in our hands and in our pockets, right? I mean, it's everywhere. It's advertisements. It's, uh, you know, I mean, even if you're trying to be pure, it's very difficult in today's society. So if you think of purity, what are some of the ways that Satan tries to keep us from being pure today? There's lots of them. What are some of the ways that Satan tries to keep us from being pure today? Tries to break up our homes, tries to break up our marriages, or tries to make us pure, uh, impure before we even get there. Try it, you'll like it, right? Jealousy for other people. He plants those seeds, right? What else does he do? What are some of the ways? It's everywhere, isn't it? Even in the remotest hollers where you don't have television access. <laughs> That's right. So, I did a little bit of research last night. And uh, this is the part where I hope you don't hang me. But uh, I've grown up in the church my whole life. And never once in the almost 36 years that I've been in the church have I ever heard a sermon or a Sabbath school class or anything on porn. Have you? I'm glad. (laughs) I haven't. (laughs) And uh, honestly, it wasn't until uh, just before I got married that I was talking to some of my friends. I had just come home from Bible college. I was talking to one of my friends one day uh, that I hadn't seen in a number of years and was just asking him, you know, how his life had been and, you know, as he'd grown up from a kid when I saw him last to a young adult And he made a statement to me, and he said, you know, I don't know. He said, probably about 90% of all young men my age have viewed porn. And I was like, you're joking, right? He said, no, I'm serious. And so last night, I decided to actually look up some statistics to find out what really is the case with our world today and pornography. You know, you don't, we don't talk about it. Uh, we don't really, it's like this, this thing where either think people think there's nothing wrong with it, or if they do think there's something wrong with it, they don't talk about it. Well, here's, here's what I'll share with you, and I'm not going to share with you all the statistics because it'll probably scare you. <clears throat> Every second... 28,000 users are watching porn every second. 3,000 dollars is spent on porn every second. I believe that's worldwide because the internet is worldwide. Uh, one in five mobile searches is for porn. That's huge. But, you know, that's world. So let's, let's look at something a little more localized. 
How about the United States? 90% of teenagers and 96% of young adults either encourage, accept, or are on or neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. Like not even a sense that it's wrong. 90% of teenagers today, 96% of young people, young adults. Yes, and that's the next one. <clears throat> the average age of a young person being exposed to porn is between the age of 7 to 12. That's average. That's average. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot more that are less. The teens and young adults who do believe that porn is wrong believe that not recycling your tin cans is worse than viewing porn. On a sliding scale of which is worse than. <laughs> not recycling tin cans is worse than viewing porn. Now let's look at the church. 64% of Christian men and at least 15% of Christian women say that they view porn at least once a month. And of course, it gets worse than that. Pastors. One in seven pastors struggles with porn youth pastors is one in five now this of course is christian christianity as a whole it's scary but my question to you is why don't we talk about it if it's this prevalent if we're if it's really this big of an issue What are we doing about it? That's the ones who are honest, right? Is one in seven? Exactly. And the 65% of Christian men viewing once a month, those are the ones who are honest too. So let's bring this even closer to home. Like we can talk about what other people should do, but what about us here? Like what about the stern Seventh-day Adventist church here? What can we do here? So really, Aaron is saying the answer that we can do here is be a community for each other, right? So I'm hearing be a community, be involved in each other's lives, be real, true brothers and sisters, right? And not be judgmental when someone does. Well, like Aaron said, education with community. (laughs) Education won't do anything without community. So... Uh, What Aaron said, I think you really hit the nail on the head because without community, no one's going to admit to anybody that they're even struggling, right? Like, you have to have the community first before you even have somebody that you could go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? The so what attitude. Yeah. And the most recent thing that's come out, you know, the biggest craze nowadays in media is virtual reality. 
And so they are actually coming out with virtual reality porn, uh, which they're hoping that will increase the revenue of porn by another billion dollars a year. It's already at $3 billion a year industry. And the, the challenge is, you know, the devil always gets you somewhere, right? And so he'll get you somewhere small to make a small concession, and then it, you crave more and more and more. And so it's gotten to the point now where the morality of our society is that what used to be called porn is now child's play. And they're going for the harder and harder stuff. And so the demand for child porn has increased significantly. And it's turning into a huge rate of trafficking children. And we're talking the target age for children is between the ages of three to seven years old and boys and girls. And uh, if you look at the, the statistics of trafficking, it's just, it's unbelievable. And right here in the United States. Amen. So that brings us to our next point. So if our, if our responsibility is to educate, what do we educate them on? How, how do you be pure as a Christian? How do we have the purity that God wants us to have? And I really feel like the answer is in Proverbs. Um, and we mentioned um, a couple of the verses, but let's just turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And instead of just reading 5 and 6, we're going to read uh, starting at verse 1. So this is the education, right? The beauty of God's word and how God, how Jesus wants to change us. He wants to cleanse our hearts. And he wants to give us his purity. Because we aren't pure on our own, are we? We're all sinners. <laughs> but we can teach it in church. And that's why we're here. So, that was section one. Now we have ten minutes to get through section two and three. How's that? <laughs> Thank you for not hanging me. Um, all right. And it is true. You know, honestly, I think as Christians, we tend to think it's a taboo topic and we make it out to be so evil that our children go to the wrong places to learn about it. And, uh, and then when there is marriage, then it's how, how, how can you be safe in marriage? You know, uh, how can you find that fulfillment and joy when you've been taught all your life it's a sin? And it really is. Thank you for bringing that up, Micah. We could spend all day just on that. <laughs> but I want to look a little bit more. So the next section was on parenting. Uh, I'm not going to make you guess that word because I think you'd probably figure out. And I'm on peas. Uh, parenting is the second one. And obviously, I don't have any uh, children of my own. Uh, but I do have uh, 50 adopted kids. Um But God has given us amazing examples on parenting, hasn't he? Uh, if you look at um, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, we have an example that God gives us of parenting. God himself parented Adam and Eve, right? Jesus parented his 12 disciples for three and a half years. God parented the children of Israel 
for many centuries. But what do we have in Genesis eighteen nineteen? So God says, I have chosen Abraham because I know that he will teach his household about me. Oh, that that could be said of all of us parents, right? I have chosen you because I know that you will teach your household about me. So I wanted to share with you a story that I think uh, fits very well with both Christ's parenting of us and our parenting of our children. Uh, Aaron and I were at ASI Southern Union a few weeks ago, and there was a gentleman there who is a biblical archaeologist. And uh, he shared a story that really stuck. I had actually heard it before, um, but it really, really struck me, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, A group of tourists was traveling through the Bible lands, and they saw a shepherd with a bunch of sheep. And uh, so they're all like, hey, stop the bus. We want to take pictures of this, you know, because it's not very often that you see like this shepherd with, you know, the medieval staff and, you know, (laughs) actually shepherding sheep the old fashioned way, like it talks about in Psalm 23. And so they all stopped and they're all taking pictures. And uh, the shepherd's just minding his own business. And uh, he walks over to one of his sheep with a, a stick and he whacks the sheep's leg with a stick and breaks it, breaks the leg right in front of them. And everyone's like, animal abuse, (laughs) animal abuse. Why on earth would a shepherd break a sheep's leg? Like that's, that's horrible, cruel punishment, you know? And so they're all asking their guide, uh, what's this guy doing? And so of course, shepherd didn't know their language. So the guide goes over and talks to the shepherd, gets some explanation and comes back to the tourists to share what he found. And here's what he said. This sheep, this is what the shepherd said. This sheep has wandered away multiple times, like wandered far, far away. I've had to like go searching for it. And I bring it back to the fold. And five minutes later, the sheep's gone again. Like it will not stay put for anything, not even five minutes. And it's wandering away again. And all of my fellow shepherds have said, Don't even fool with that sheep. It's not worth anything. Just send it to the market for meat. And he's like, but I love this sheep. I love this sheep so much that I broke its leg. Now it can't wander away. And so he spent the next little bit of time binding up that leg, taking care of that sheep, loving that sheep, putting it in a cast or a splint or whatever he had to do. And then guess what? When it was time to walk the miles to the next pasture, guess what that sheep did? It got to ride on the shepherd's shoulders. By the time that leg is healed, that sheep will have bonded with the shepherd so tightly that it will never wander away again. What does that say about God's parenting with us? Or the example he gives for us to parent our children? I think sometimes we get so involved in the correction that we forget why the correction. It's to draw our hearts closer together in love and closer to God. That's why God gives us correction. So there, I just told you all my knowledge of parenting. Okay. 
<laughs> the rest you can teach me everything else because you're all parents. <laughs> uh, I want to go to our last one. Uh, last section, we have five more minutes left, is on our partner. And we had two sections on that. If you look at uh, Thursday's, Wednesday's and Thursday's lesson, God gives us family relationships. And he gives us some important uh, Proverbs. And I would say probably like half of Proverbs is on relationships, isn't it? Whether it be relation to parent or child or relationships to a a spouse or it's full of it. We could uh, read Proverbs all day if we had time, but of course we don't have time. So what would you say is the number one proverb in relationships? Uh, Mike already said the one that stood out to him, better to live on a housetop than with an angry woman. When I was a kid, I was reading through the Bible for the first time. I was probably about seven years old. And I came across that verse and I burst out laughing. I was like, is that really in the Bible? (laughs) And then I read through the chapter. It's twice in the same chapter. (laughs) Apparently Solomon had some wisdom on that. <laughs> but what is it about relationships? What what uh, lessons did you learn about relationships from Proverbs? The only source of love and harmony in a home, in a marriage, in a family, in a parenting situation, church family, is Jesus. And really, he's the answer to everything on this list, Right? Is the answer for purity, the answer for parenting, the answer for our partnerships in life. Jesus is the answer. 